So you all know that we live in an absolutely beautiful country. Before I joined the church on staff, I, became, I was a student teacher for two years. But before that, for many, many years, I worked in the travel industry. And um, I was in inbound tours, which means you book all the people coming from overseas into the country. So I worked for companies like Springbok Atlas, Ikapa Tours, and, and, and one other. And um, I just remember from the beginning of October, we would literally have busloads of people coming into the country because people all over the world want to see the beauty of South Africa. And I was actually looking at the tourism stats. In 2017, we had 3.5 million tourists come into our country. So we know we have a beautiful country. Like, you don't even have to go out of our country on holiday or honeymoon. There are so many places to go. It's absolutely beautiful. You can drive up one way or the other way and experience completely different scenery, completely different, um, you know, people. It's, it's just amazing. Um, however, even though our country is so breathtakingly beautiful, for a long time, and especially of late, we've been experiencing a lot of violence, a lot of xenophobia, gender-based violence, um, yeah, just uh, racism, uh, prejudice. You know, people are prejudiced towards each other. We've experienced that. And I don't know about you, but you can live in the most beautiful country, and when that stuff is happening around you, it can steal your joy. So much so that you get to the point where it actually feels like the heaviness that comes with that darkness, the heaviness actually um, steals your joy and makes you feel overwhelmed by what's happening around you. And, you know, the, the world that we live in, we're always hunting for happiness. Everything we do, you don't get up in the morning hoping to have a miserable day because then you need to have your head read. We are always searching for happiness, but the thing is, is that the enemy is working overtime to suppress our joy and to make sure that our happiness is taken from us. In John 10 verse 10, Jesus said, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. So Jesus warns us, it's not like a surprise, like you wake up tomorrow morning and you're like, oh, No one warned me that the enemy is coming to steal our joy. Jesus warned us. He said, that is the enemy's plan. He wants us to live in fear in our beautiful country. He wants us to be afraid. He wants to take our joy. That is his plan. So the devil is trying to destroy our lives. But what do we do in the middle of all the fear and and trouble? What do we do right in the middle of that? Well, if you're normal, you want it to change. Obviously, okay, you want it to change, but what if it doesn't change? And let's be honest, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it doesn't change. And so we're starting a new series today, as you saw by the video and the the heading there, Choose Joy. We're starting a new series, and we're going to talk about choosing joy. Now, joy, this topic, choosing joy, it's a tough one. I don't know about you, but there are days where I think this must just be a saying that somebody came up with, because how am I supposed to choose joy today? You know, when you're going through something, you just think, choosing joy? Yeah, okay. You know, it's, it's not easy. But over the next four weeks, we are wanting to encourage you with values 
that you can choose that will hopefully lead you to make choices to choose joy. I hope you followed me there, okay? We want to encourage you with values so that when you choose those values, it will help you towards choosing joy. And you know what? If you can make the choice, there will be joy on the other side. Regardless of our circumstances, if we start following what we're going to learn over the next four weeks, there will be joy on the other side if we put it into practice. And I'm not talking about fake joy. I'm not talking about getting up in the morning and you feel so terrible inside, but you walk around like this all day. You know, that, that is not normal. That is not what we're talking about. We're not talking about fake joy. We're talking about real joy where you can honestly, before God, rejoice in the middle of your trouble, the middle of even something good that, you know, if, if anything changes, you've got a joy inside of you. And so that's why the value of choosing the, the value of choosing joy we are trying to embrace is not just a, a thing of okay God change it make everything better because we know that that's not going to happen you see choosing joy the real value of joy comes when God comes alongside you and says I'm going to help you find joy in the middle of your trouble but everyone say but, but. you have to choose it so God says, I'm going to come alongside you. I'm, I'm here. But you have to choose it. It's up to you. You won't feel it at first. You have to choose it. There's that saying that you've heard Jason mention a few times, um, that choices lead and feelings follow. So we're going to have to choose to put these things into practice. You have to decide if you feel that you don't really have a reason to be happy or joyful, but you decide you're going to choose it. You decide you're going to choose joy in the middle of it. Look at Paul, who wrote most of the Old Testament. There, if, if, you, if you read, I'm not going to read it now, but if you read in 2 Corinthians 6 verse 3 to 10, wow, Paul, shame. Paul was shipwrecked. He was stoned. He was beaten. He was whipped the way Jesus was whipped more times than once or twice. He was jailed. He was, you know, probably shouted at and cursed. I mean, Paul honestly had it rough. I don't think we can begin to imagine what Paul went through. But in 2 Corinthians 6 verse 10, this is what Paul says. He starts off his sentence, our hearts ache but we always have joy. How do you have that in the same sentence? Our hearts ache, but we always have joy. We are poor, but we give spiritual riches to others. We own nothing, and yet we have everything. Paul is such a great example to us. Now, there is no way that Paul would have always just had joy. Paul was not that guy walking around going, Beat me again, you know. I'm sure there were times when he had to choose from the core of his being the joy. There was and is no fairy godmother that goes, poof, you have joy. Poof, you have joy. Sorry for you, you lucked out. Poof, you have joy. You know, there, there isn't that. So in the midst of Paul's trials, I'm sure there were times when he had to pull himself up out of the pit and say, you know what? I'm gonna choose joy. 
And I believe that he could do that because he had a revelation of Jesus Christ and eternity. He had a revelation that this wasn't the life forever. He knew that eternity was coming. And can I encourage you? Sorry, I get very distracted by everything. So if I stop suddenly, you know, okay. I wanna encourage you that this sermon series, it's just gonna be another sermon series. It's just gonna be another sermon that you hear, but it's gonna be your choice to do something with what you hear. Because very often what happens is that we sit in a, we, we come to church. I know that I do this for myself. I'm like, God, just give me a fresh word today, a new word. And what happens is I hear the same thing that I've heard before, but, some, but there are those days where I go in with an attitude of God. It doesn't matter what I hear. Please, will you do something with that inside of me? And I can, I, I can honestly say to you, I can sit there and go, wow. It's as if I've never heard that before, but I have. And so can I encourage you to ask God to do that for you in this, in this series? So as we all know and have experienced, joy can be temporary, okay, especially worldly joy. And at times it feels like joy is ripped away from us. Now, this is a silly example, but, and I must just apologize if um, there is one in the house, but who of you love going to the dentist? Okay, so you're all normal, okay. That's a good thing, all right? So I have an insane fear of the dentist that I actually start crying before I go, okay? I'm not exaggerating. And they, when I go to the dentist, I don't wanna feel what he's doing. So I actually ask for, so, how, so what's the highest amount of injections you can give me? Give me that. I'm not joking, you can ask Jason. I literally ask for the most injections they can give me. I don't care how my mouth is going to look or feel or sound. Like it can be like, to, it's fine. As long as I can't feel him working. And I'll never forget this one day. I was so worked up. I had to go to a special dentist that does root canal with very tiny equipment. So your normal dentist doesn't have that. So they had to send me to this guy in town who had hairs growing out of his nose. So I was already scared, okay? Like for real, he had bushes, all right? So when you're looking up and I, and I was like, it's fine. I took my tablets, I prayed, I fasted. I was praying in tongues and... When I, and I lay down and I always give a dentist, uh, listen here, buddy, I'm scared of you. I'm going to cry. I'm going to make noises. It's not going to be healthy for you or me, but I'm just giving you a heads up. And they always think I'm talking nonsense until they start. Okay. So I don't know about you guys, but this is me at a dentist. The whole time they actually have to ask me to calm down because I'm like this the whole time. Anyway, I go to this guy in town. And I'm already petrified. And his surgery looks a bit dodgy, but I'm like, you know, my dentist referred me. It must all be fine. And he's got this hair growing out of his nose. And he starts, he starts working. And I say to him, now remember, I need as many injections as you can give me. So he starts injecting me in my palate. Okay? Because obviously now he's like, okay, you know, we, we need to. And I'm, I'm clapping fast because I'm like, I'm sure it's going to be okay. But because I'm human and I'm me and I'm scared, every time he injects me, I'm like, 
and the tears are going down. Well, I was okay up till that point until he did this. He took his hand with his tray of things and he knocked it across the room. And he said, stop it. While my joy was gone. So I had tried to manufacture joy up until that point. It's going to be okay. He's going to give me 25 injections. I will get through it. It'll be okay. I gave him the heads up. It's not like I didn't warn him. And he actually lost his temper with me in the surgery. And for a moment, I, my heart started racing. So I don't know if any of you have anxiety, you know, when your heart goes out of your, like you want to vomit your heart out of your, out of your body. Like, and I don't know if his assistant is used to him, but he walked out, he stormed out and she came over to him and she said, it'll be okay. So she's, so she's obviously used to it. And for a moment, I was like, I'm going to get up and walk out of here. I'm, who does this guy think he is? But I already had these injections. I had, you know, and I thought I'm going to have to come back. He's the only one in, in town that this other dentist knew about that I needed to go to and I need this root canal. So I pushed through and there was no joy. So I went with manufacturing joy. I need to do this, this, and this. But joy is temporary. I knew that after I left him, those injections would wear off. The pain and discomfort would come because your tooth needs time to heal. That joy was temporary. It didn't help that he lost his temper. He made the joy go even faster. Okay. To, to, to end the story well, he did apologize to me afterwards, just in case any of you ever have to go to him. And you think, this guy has hairs growing out of his nose. It must be the same guy Jason spoke, Susan spoke about. Okay. But he did apologize. But you know how, you know, you can be so um, scared of something and then the joy is just ripped from you where you think it can only go downhill from here. It can only get worse. Joy, um, uh, uh, Happiness or looking for happiness or manufacturing joy is temporary. Just like those injections, it's temporary. So all of the world's solutions to you getting joy will always fall short. All of the world's solutions. You'll be happy for a moment, but then it falls short. And this, whatever made you feel happy is going to wear off and you're going to feel some pain and discomfort and you're going to be frustrated and you're going to think, I was happy. I thought I was happy. Why am I not happy anymore? But God has something much better for you. In the middle of your troubles, you can have real joy. Can I ask you to not wait until the new year to make a resolution to choose joy? Can we decide today that we are going to choose joy for today, for tomorrow, and for next year? It's not going to be easy. I'm not telling you that it's going to be easy. But hopefully everything we learn over the next four weeks will help us to work towards that. So there is a divine order to joy, divine being godly. There's a divine order to joy. And I believe that in order to experience true joy, we have to put Jesus first. So before anything, we have to put Jesus first. So what I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to make it really simple for you. And I'm going to break up the word joy. Okay. So the J, Jesus. The O, others, and the Y, yourself. So I want to show you this packet of chips. Okay, here we've got cheese snacks. And on the packet, it says tartrazine free. How many of you would buy this because it says tartrazine free? 
Come on, just be honest. Somebody put your hand up. Jason, put your hand up. Okay. All right. Thank you. All right. So, especially when it became known that tartrazine was bad for you, this is what you would have bought for your kids. You would have been really excited, tartrazine free. But have you ever bought something because it tells you that it's fat-free, gluten-free, tartrazine-free, but then read the fine print, okay? Do you know what's actually in these chips? Do you know what actually gets them to the shape? Ask yourself that question. Let me tell you what's in these chips, okay? There is maize, vegetable oil, which is cottonseed and contains antioxidant TBHQ. That already sounds very dodgy. Whey powder, salt, maize flour, monosodium glutamate, MSG, flavor enhancer, sugar, anti-caking agent, E551, paprika extract, acidity regulator, E330, colorant. This sounds really healthy with all of that tartrazine gone, Right? It, like, this is what a lot of us Christians do. There's one good thing that we believe about ourselves, so we walk around with that label on us. I don't lie anymore. I serve in kids' church. I don't, I don't um, gossip. I don't swear anymore. Hallelujah. Or as Moffat would say, Behold. Okay, we had this discussion as a staff the other day about swear words. But what happens is, we walk around with this label. You know, I go to church. I did freedom two years ago. I went on a missions trip 10 years ago. And that's the label we carry around. But then we've got all this fine print inside of us. And it's fine print that is not great. But do you know what? That is actually who we really are. There's nothing wrong with the label. There's nothing wrong with wanting people to think or to know that you are a good Christian. But do you know what actually makes us a good Christian? The Bible teaches us that someone is a good Christian when at the core of their being, they are madly in love with Jesus. That is what makes a good Christian. Not the things we do, not the things we say or don't say, not the behavior that we don't do anymore. What makes us a good Christian when he's at the core, we are madly in love with Jesus. Jesus was asked what's the most important commandment and he said, it's just to love him. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength and all your mind and everything else comes after that. When you put him first, everything else follows. A Christian is someone who finds pleasure in Jesus and just wants to love him. And when we love Jesus and find pleasure in him, we will want to do all the good things because we will then want to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. But what does this have to do with joy or choosing joy. If Jesus is not first, then we are out of order. If you go to a toilet and on the door it says out of order, you're not gonna use that toilet because you wanna be able to flush it. 
So you know there's something wrong with that toilet. So if we don't put Jesus first, we are out of order and we won't experience divine joy. And we need divine joy. I need divine joy. Just the other day, I really needed divine joy. You know, because it's, you don't want the temporary. You don't want to be only depending on the temporary. And our joy can't be based on the here and now. Because the here and now, feeling happy about something here and now changes to was but is no more. So you can have an amazing happy experience, but that passes and becomes a was but is no more. Matthew 6 verse 33, it says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So we find life-changing joy in choosing to love Jesus first. So that's our value today, life-changing choice. A life-changing choice is when we choose to love Jesus above all else. In Romans 15 verse 13, it says, May the God who gives, you, gives hope fill you with great joy. May you have perfect peace as you trust in Him. May the power of the Holy Spirit fill you with hope. Notice what, I've, what we've put in bold. May you have perfect peace as you trust in Him. In other words, not perfect peace when everything has worked out and then we trust Him. Not perfect peace, um, you know, when, when, when nothing happens and we just live in a bubble. It's as we trust Him. In other words, as we are going through it, we trust Him. As we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, we trust Him. As we are going through, we trust Him. So we trust Him. He gives us joy. He fills us with great joy as we trust Him. So how do we put Jesus first? We all know the things that we hear often in church. Read your Bible every day. Pray every day. Listen out for God's guidance in, in situations in your life. You know, follow His commands. Those are things that are very, very important. And the things that you need to do first, because that sets up your relationship with Him. So obviously those things we need to do. But what else do we need to know? Okay? So I'm not going to talk about those things this morning because we all know them. If we are here, we know that we need to read our Bible, that we need to pray, that we need to follow His commandments. But what I want to encourage you with this morning is these three points. Number one, joy comes knowing that God has a plan for your life. If you don't know how God made you, so you don't believe in creation, you don't know how He made you, you think you just, poof, you appeared, okay? Who God made you to be and what He created you to do, then everything else in the world will define you. So if you don't know those things, everything else is gonna start defining you and that's who you're gonna become. So you need to know who you are, who He created you to be, because then you will know the plan He has for you. If you know who God made you to be and know that God is working in your life and has a plan for your life, then no matter what comes your way, it will not derail God's plan for you because you know who you are in Him. So it won't derail you. For so many of us, our events, our circumstances, our pain, um, our problems define us. We allow them to define us. Um, I know for me, um, at the age of 17, when my mom passed away, I allowed that to define me. 
until I gave my heart to Jesus and I realized that I had made that my identity. And my identity needed to be who Jesus had created me to be. That's an event that happened in my life, but that that event can't define me. Who defines me is Jesus and who Jesus says that I am. So if you know who you are, you know your purpose, then nothing will derail you in the middle of whatever you are going through. Do you know that on Jesus' worst day, it says in Hebrews 12 verse 2, um, it's coming at the end of a whole lot of stuff. It says, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. And then it says, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. That is hectic. Jesus knew the plan and purpose so he could have joy. He could take the cross with joy because he knew what the end result was. He knew what was coming. He knew his purpose was to bring salvation to the world. Kay Warren, Rick Warren, who wrote The Purpose Driven Life, his wife wrote a book called Choose Joy. And she said that joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life. So the settled assurance. Then my second point is that joy comes when you are certain that God will work it out. Do you know that even when it looks like it's not working out, God is at work? In 1 Peter 1 verse 8, it says, you love him even though you have never seen him. That's faith. Though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. There's this story that goes um, about this African king who had a friend from childhood and they would go hunting together. And this friend of his had a habit in good times and bad times of always saying, this is good. Everything was, this is good. So the one day they went hunting and his friend always prepared the guns for the king. So he would load the guns, he would do everything. And this day they go hunting and the king is about to shoot. And as he pulls the trigger, um, the, the friend had made a mistake with, with a gun and, he, and the king's thumb got blown off, okay? So the king, uh, so the friend turned to the king and said, this is good? And the king said, no, this is not good. And he threw him into jail. His best friend, he threw him into jail. A year later, the king goes hunting again and he goes to a part that he sort of knew he shouldn't go and he is captured by cannibals who um, time up, start making the fire, put him on the stake. And just as they come forward to start setting this thing alight, they notice that his thumb is missing. And they were very superstitious about who they ate. Sounds wonderful, okay? But the person had to be whole, so they set the king free. On realizing this, the king felt devastated that he had locked his friend in prison for a year when losing his thumb actually saved his life. So he goes to the friend and he says to the friend, I'm so sorry. I, I locked you in prison for a year. And he went on to tell him the whole story about how the cannibals released him because of his thumb. And the friend turns to him and he says, this is good. And the king says, but I locked you up for a year. How can this be good? And he says to the king, if you hadn't locked me up, I would have been with you hunting and I would be here no more because he still had both his thumbs. It's an amazing story. So on that point, 
we can be certain that God will work it out. Thumb or no thumb. Okay. My third point, joy comes when I choose joy. Okay, you can't wait for joy to come find you. You have to go and find it. All right. Philippians 4 verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. So you find joyce. And what is Philippians 4 verse 4 saying? You have to rejoice and rejoice. And why do you think Paul repeats that? Because we forget that quickly. That is why Paul repeats it. Then, so... First and foremost, J, Jesus. He has to be put first in your life. He has to be first. He has to, it has to be um, at the point where you're, in your core, you are madly in love with Him. Then the O is others. I'm not gonna get into um, much on, on teaching on, on that, but there is no way to find joy on the path of me, myself, and I. You cannot. You cannot find joy on me, myself, and I. Do you know that um, in, in Genesis 1, you see how God created the world. He talks about we, like we created the world. So he was in relationship doing things with the Trinity right in the very beginning. Then he created man, saw it was good for him not to be alone and created woman. So that there would be two, because two is better than one. That they would be able to rule the world together. Do you know that in the word together, think about the letters, T-O-G-E-T-H-E-R, you can spell the word other from the word together. The letters of the word other are in the word together. So together we care about others. We need to do things together. Joy is found when we live to give, not live to get. Getting is awesome. There's nothing wrong with getting. But joy is found when we live to give. And then yourself. Do you know that once you've accepted the grace and forgiveness that comes from a relationship with Jesus and, are, and we're able to forgive ourselves and discover who God made us to be, then we can live in freedom. Then we can grow in our relationship with Him and others. And then we can find joy. So when we do the first part, the Jesus part, and we care about others and we accept his forgiveness, then we can truly live out the life that he has for us. Do you know that knowing that you are a person of worth helps you love God, know him personally, and make a valuable contribution to those around you? When you know that you are a person of worth, then you are able to say, Lord, I want to be the person that the longer I'm in church, the more joyful I am. Lord, the longer I lead a small group, the more excited I am about you. The longer I give, the more generous I become. The longer I give myself to God, I experience joy. That's the person I wanna be. I wanna be able to say to God, God, the longer I'm a Christian, the longer I'm around, the longer I'm in relationship with others, the longer I... I, I uh, am intentional about falling more madly in love with Jesus, the more joy I know that you have for me. So this is what I wanna say for myself. Let there be an increase of joy in my life, not a decrease of joy. That's what I want. So can I ask you to please close your eyes? So we find life-changing joy in choosing to love Jesus first. 
And we know that joy comes from a relationship with Jesus. So the first thing I'd like to ask you this morning is you've heard me talking about choosing joy and how it starts with a relationship with Jesus. If you have not even started a relationship with Jesus, you've heard about Jesus, you know about Jesus, but you've never actually made that first step towards a relationship with Him. I'd like to give you the opportunity this morning to actually make that decision, to actually pray a prayer, a really simple prayer where you're saying, yes, I wanna start that relationship with Jesus. While everyone's eyes are closed and and we're just sitting here together as as a, a congregation, can I ask you to just raise your hand if you would like to make that decision this morning to choose Jesus, to choose a relationship with Him. Thank you, I see you. Thank you. I see you. You are making a life-changing choice today. A life-changing changing choice that is gonna lead to being able to choose joy and live it out.